to 9 to Thrive, a podcast about creating a life that doesn't suck. I'm your host, Janet McKenna-Lowry. Today I have with me the founder of Happier Valley Comedy, a nonprofit that teaches bravery, presentation skills, and cooperation through laughter and improv. Thanks for listening. Okay, well, thank you for joining me today, and we're going to talk about Work, community, and creativity. Hi, Pam. Hi there. How you doing? Great, great. Thanks for um, thanks for taking the time this morning to chat. Sure. Yeah. So, um, why don't you can start with any of those three? Uh, what you do for work, what you do for community, what you do for creativity, and uh, tell me a little <laughs> bit about what it is. I, I know that you have a lot of overlap, so I love that. So this is fun. It's all overlap, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Happier Valley Comedy is actually where my work, my creativity, and my community meet. Ah. Um, so it's all of them. Yeah, we got three for three right Result. there. <laughs> <laughs> Happier Valley Comedy is the first improv theater in Western Massachusetts. It's the only oh. one um, outside of in Massachusetts, outside of the Boston region. Oh, wow. I um, had no idea. I mean, I knew it was there and I knew you did improv, but I didn't realize you were yeah. that much, that trailblazing. That's great. We're the only ones. Yeah. Well, who would who would do that? I mean, it's kind of crazy to open up an improv school and training center and theater in Western Massachusetts. <laughs> um, I, I did. Uh, so <laughs> and I have been improvising professionally in the Pioneer Valley for about 15 or 16 years in Western Massachusetts. I founded the Hahas. And then four years ago, I founded Happier Valley Comedy, um, and, which was born, which I, but I, it wasn't called that when I started. When I started, it was called the Can I Make a Living Doing What I Love Experiment. <laughs> that's a little harder to get into a web address. <laughs> it is. That's right. Exactly. Kind of long, kind of long. Uh, but when you're a trailblazer, you get to name things you want, whatever you want to. <laughs> I didn't think anybody was going to look like uh, that was just what I was calling it for myself, you know. Uh, So the experiment was I wanted to see if I could make a living through improv. So what I had been doing previously, um, my my most recent career, my most, uh, yeah, the career I had been doing for the, I guess, 10, well, 18 years previously is being a stay at home mom. And being a homeschooling mom, I homeschooled my kids, um, my son, yeah, for 10 years. Um, And then my kid went off to college and I was out of a job quite happily. And so what I was trained to do, among other things, was I had my master's in elementary education. So I was Mm going to go back to teaching. But then I was like, but meanwhile, while my kids were little, I'd fallen in love with improvisation and um, just desperately in love with it. And over the course of time, like on on the side, I was going to shows. I was producing shows in Western Massachusetts. I studied in Chicago. I was studying Mm. in Boston as much as possible. I was bringing teachers to uh, teach us just, just to fill this, this void of improv Jones that I had Mm. that uh, I thought was limitless. Um, and so when my kid went to college, I was like, what if, before I go to go back to teaching, what if I just see if I can make a living through improv since that's what I love to do. So I gave myself a year, uh, and a dollar goal. I tried to make sixty. $16,000 $16,000 in a year through improvisation. Oh, that's interesting. Which, why, why 16? What What was the... It's 
the poverty level. It was about the poverty <laughs> level for a family of two. Okay. <laughs> so I thought that if I didn't make it, at least I could blog about it. Right. And that would be, I was like, okay, so that's a blog uh, post. Or like, why? And, it's content. Right, content. <laughs> right. So why an artist can't make a living in a small town uh, through art. Great. Uh, so I was like, yeah, can't lose. Um, so I just hustled my buns off. I worked really, really hard and then uh, fired on all cylinders. Um, one of the beauties of improvisation is it's about moving forward together with positivity and, um, the voice of unhelpful judgment, which we may get to in a little while, the, the inner critic doesn't, isn't given much space. That's the practice. Ah. Uh, so there are a thousand reasons why I should not have been able to do it. And, uh, nobody, I don't know anybody who, who makes a living through improv in a small town. Yeah. I may, I know a handful of people who make a living through improv itself. They all live in big cities. They all right. work for big, you know, second city and yeah. improv bus. That would and be stuff my like assumption. That. Yeah. 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 And even there, there aren't that many people. Right. There really aren't. Uh, certainly not teaching it, you know. Um, so, yeah, I shouldn't have been able to do it. But a lot of times ignorance is is bliss or just ignoring it. I was like, well, OK, <laughs> let's see what happens. Uh, and so I started teaching a class. I produced shows. I think I was writing a little bit. I don't know if I made money through that. But well, I, I wrote a book, but I didn't count that money because um, it was it started before the um, before the experiment. Mm. So um I made $16,000 in six months. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And then I kept going in one class. I taught one class in this like little uh, building in Hadley, um, the old North Star building. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, And I pretty much figured I had run through the number of people in Western Massachusetts interested in taking improv. I was like, well, I was 12. Cool. And then, and then, but they said, can we take another class? And I said, well, what do you want to learn? And so I built the class around them. You know, I, yeah. I always feel like the company was built. It's like a house you're living in while you're building it. I just kept building oh, yeah. myself while I was making it. And then I was like, well, maybe there are a couple more people. So I offered another class. And then I went to my local community college and I was like, would you guys like me to teach a class? So then I taught classes at Greenfield Community College and Holyoke Community College. And so it seemed like, and even when I went there, like those people were people I had made contacts with. Um, So I was slowly building. And I think a lot of the things that contributed to the success was my transparency in my vulnerability. So it was like, this is what I'm trying to do. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I've never run a business to before. I didn't want to run a business. That that was another whole journey of like coming to terms with the fact that I ran, I was running a business. I just wanted to teach improv. I just wanted to do improv. Um, so, um, yeah, it just slowly grew more and more. So that was four years ago. Uh, now I run a nonprofit um, called Happier Valley Comedy. I do it full time. I also have a. I'm the founder and um, president of the company, but we make I make our, we make our own title. Title. So I'm the head of happiness. Is my title. <laughs> and then I have somebody who works for me, um, who really I consider more a partner than anything, and he's the artistic director and general manager, okay. Scott Brady. 
So it's two of us working full time in improvisation in the Pioneer Valley of Massachusetts. Okay. Uh, with a a bunch of teachers also that we get to employ as well, and we, we and we pay performers. So there are three branches to Happier Valley Comedy. Um, there is the school, so we run a whole training program that teaches improv from day one up until performing, and there were like I guess a dozen classes altogether, probably something like that. We just opened our stand-up storytelling branch. Oh. Um, so that's ha- happening. Kelsey Flynn is spearheading that, and she's this great comedian in um, Western Mass. And hopefully one day the dream is that she's the third full-time employee mm. of our company, or at least the third person that we could um, yeah, contribute to, help her make a living through comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, we're making this little economy in Western yeah. Massachusetts that didn't exist before. So we're a training program. We're, oh. we're, st- we're opening our kids program oh. is happening. So is we teach classes. The third? Is kids the third branch? Oh, that's the first branch. That's the oh. school. The okay. second branch are the shows. I see. So we'll be, we do shows every single Saturday um, of the month, a different show every Saturday. So we produce shows. Uh, so we have musical improv, we have short form, we have a non-competitive competitive show. Mm. We have the ha-has perform. We have special guests that come from New York and Boston and Chicago. Uh, we have a small show called the tiny audience show on Mondays that, uh, Scott and I do, <laughs> and it's theatrical improv. So you just, uh, it's not for the, for laughs necessarily, but we're just making, we're just, living two people's lives that we've never met before. Okay. <laughs> um, we have a new group that's also performing on Saturdays called Not In Charge, and they were born out of our theater, so they're the first performing group that's regularly, like, professionally performing group. Yeah, they're, they're your babies. <laughs> they're our babies, absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, and speaking of which, we also have a family show. Mm. We have a happier family comedy show, and that goes up at the Eric Carl Museum of Picture Book Art in Amherst, Massachusetts. So that's the, those are, and then, and we have some other, other stuff too. We have like a showcase show, a community building show, wow. uh, an open improv jam. So um, those are the shows. That's the second branch. And the third branch is called Through Laughter. And that's the professional and personal development Got it. branch. And that's using improv for, to help people um, grow. So it could be anything like I go into companies and I teach communication, collaboration, innovation training, um, building resilience is a big one, flexibility with change, uh, redefining disempowering failure. That's really a big part of the Through Laughter program. Mm. And we also do use it for personal development. So, for example, next weekend I'm teaching healing anxiety through improv or through laughter, healing anxiety through laughter. So I'm pairing up with a social worker and we're using improv training exercises to help people with anxiety to give some more tools. So in, and in the through laughter program, it's not about learning to perform. You're never standing up and performing. Um, it's all in a circle or in pairs and I've gotten really good at working with introverts. In fact, I also, another thing I do with the through laughter program is I work at Smith college doing, uh, which is my alma mater, um, doing first with first year students who are identify as introverts and uh. find your voice. So improv has these skills. I always say 
Uh, I don't know. Have you seen the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, the dad is with Windex. <laughs> with Windex, think, yeah, everything. <laughs> that's how I think improv is. I think everything can be solved through improv. There isn't a problem that improv can't help with. So. <laughs> That's what the Through Laughter Branch is all about. And on my side, the side hustle of the Through Laughter Branch, the eventual, big, the dream one day is to use it for, I use it, I do some women's empowerment mm. um, programs using improv to help women uh, strengthen their voices. Um, and that's what the thing from Smith is out of, but I also have this other little thing that I, I wanted, I really just want to do women's empowerment programs because I think women are going to save the world. And I'd like to have a part in that. Yeah. And you're back to the teacher part right there. I mean, a lot of it's teaching, but that one really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, and teaching is what I love doing. So those are the three branches of my company. So I wanted to take just a second and explain that Happier Valley is a very, it's not a pun exactly, but it's certainly a play on um, Western Massachusetts has been called the Happy Valley. Um God, I don't know since when, since, you know, the sixties or seventies, it's certainly, hmm. it's the divide between, so I grew up here and it's the divide between my older brothers and sisters and Hamp, which was not the happy Valley. And then NoHo, which is, I guess, probably the seventies or eighties, which becomes very happy Valley. And I think because it was very liberal and there was a lot of hippies out here and stuff like that, it suddenly became known as the happy Valley. And it's always been a little bit, um, gently derogative, I would say. And it's kind of nice <laughs> to have it get, uh, uh, overwritten by actual comedy, actually calling itself Happier Valley. It's it's a lovely sort of use of the phrase and and sort of taking it and running it, running it to well, actual maybe, comedy. I'm, I'm not cynical enough, maybe, because uh, I always took it at face value. I moved here 20 years ago, and I absolutely love it. This yeah. is, I mean, I went to I went to Smith, so I had some roots in the area. But when I started to raise my kids, this is where we wanted to be. Yeah. Um, it's an amazing place to raise our kids. I I love the people. I wish it was near a beach and sunnier, but besides <laughs> that, it's the perfect place. <laughs> well, I do uh, I do love making it literally happier valley through comedy. I think that's I think yeah. that's a lovely I think that's a lovely use of the phrase um, uh, versus you know saying it's happy because it's hippie. <laughs> Right. No, we make the Happy Valley happier. Yeah. <laughs> and that's our mission. Our mission is to spread laughter, joy, and ease in Western Massachusetts and the world. And that's your, is that your mission, like your mission statement? Yeah, spread laughter? That's mission. Yep. Oh, that's nice. Joy, joy and ease. Oh. Joy and lovely. ease are these guideposts in, in the work that I do in the teaching. And, and how do you, um, how do you... I don't want to say, yeah, I'm going to have to say it. How do you measure that? Like, what, what are the questions you ask yourself when, you know, like, is this in alignment with our, with our mission kind of a thing? Um, well, I mean, we, this is, these are the questions I ask. Is it, where's the joy? Where's the ease? Like these, I, my students hear me say this from day one until the last day, you know, like this, this is, I want them to have that in their heads. It's the, it's the, um, it's the measurement, it's the unit of measurement where we measure everything. Uh Um, so they'll do a scene and I say, well, where was the joy? Where was the ease? Um, and joy doesn't necessarily mean like I'm having the most fun ever. Like just like Daytona beach, you know, (laughs) drinks on the patio or whatever, like all that great stuff. Though that, that is joyful, but there are lots of different ways of having joy. 
right? Yeah. In any situation. And, um, you know, it could be reading a really good book or having a deep conversation or getting through a tough time with somebody. Like, these are all our joys. And even when a situation is so dire that there's not even a molecule of joy to be found, yeah. I ask, where is the peace? Mm. Right? So given the reality of the situation, where is the where is where is the joy? Even if it's not implicitly joyful, where can I be finding the joy in it? And it's just taking a step toward joy. And also the same as ease. Yeah. And ease, easefulness, we call, I call it. It's like going down a canoe, going down a stream in a canoe, and you take the oar out of the water and just let the stream take you. That's the feeling we're aiming for. Now, that's the word, right. that, that's the word that I sort of have asterisk here, because I always think of improv as being sort of cutting edge and, you know, sort of rapid fire wit. Mm. And, and ease is an interesting word to put in there or to require of it. So what led to that? Yeah, that's, I, I guess there are, is an understanding and I'm, there are some types of improv that is rapid fire and louder, faster, funnier and thinking of funny stuff. Um, that's not what the kind of improv I teach. Uh-huh. Uh, my, the foundation of our program, which I developed the curriculum of the, it's called the Zen of improv, okay. the Zen of improv. So it's very Zen, yeah. uh, whatever, whatever that means. Um, so I literally am seeking the ease. In fact, we're seeking absolute effortlessness. Um, we want, uh, I wrote a book called Improvisation at the Speed of Life, and it's the TJ and Dave book. It's about these two guys. It's written with the TJ and Dave about their, um, about their work. TJ and Dave are the most famous improvisers in the world, which oh. means nobody else has ever heard of them. <laughs> uh, because that's how improv goes. But uh, TJ said, let's see if I can remember this quote. He said, energy is beautiful, effort is ugly. Oh. Right? And, and that's, the e- that's what I mean by ease. So we want people, I don't want them to think of funny stuff. Right. I want them to just be themselves. And that will be funny. We're not seeking comedy. Mm. Because it's, it's too hard to try to be funny. And every time I have the thought, oh, this will, this is going to kill, uh, it's ne- it never does. <laughs> That's not what people laugh at. <laughs> people laugh because they relate. People laugh at if authenticity. People laugh when you're paying attention and in the moment. Right. Uh, people laugh when you're responding honestly to, right. the, to the moment. Uh, people laugh at humanness. That's the kind of improvisation that's interesting to me. Interesting. So yeah, if I see people who are working too hard, whether it's in the workplace, you know, on a project, pushing something too hard or pushing to communicate or something like that, or certainly in improvisation, if you're trying too hard, we're, we're, we're working against that. We're trying to quiet that down. I think I teach more than anything. I teach fear management. Yeah, I can imagine. Because fear, fear of failure, fear of losing control, fear of the unknown, that's what stops people from being in ease. Right. Right. And so we just we can use improv as a true a training tool to strengthen the muscles of fear management. Wow. And well, trusting in the authentic voice. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Because I think I think authentic authenticity. I mean, it's so big right now. Uh, authenticity is is everything. Right. Right. It is. It's the only thing that sets you apart from Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the joy. It's every, I mean, it's like if you're hiring people, you hire them because of who they are, you know? So now let's get out of the way of that and let them be their authentic selves. But so often like the work I do in the workplace is all about 
helping people realize that in trying to be right all the time or aim for this certain goal, they are actually cutting off their noses despite their face. They're like, they're losing their most important tool, which is the, the authentic voice of the talented people who they hired. Yeah. Oh, we agree on that. Yeah. So improvisation is pretty helpful in strengthening those muscles. So improv, a lot of times it does definitely walk that edge between the individual and that ease and that sort of learning to be comfortable in yourself, learning to be authentic, and then the group dynamics. So yes. so uh, talk to me a little bit about the community. And it's funny because I hear two things about it. I, I hear that it's, you know, unbelievably uplifting, but then sometimes I'll hear these stories about it being very cutthroat. So how... Mm. How have you, you know, managed the, well, you know, the famous places like SNL or, the yeah. fa- you know, the S- sure. uh, Second City, those kinds of things. You sometimes hear about, you know, mm-hmm. people talking about how, um, uh, just how cutthroat it was to rise up. Oh, yeah. Like so how do you, how, how do you, yeah, how do you navigate the community piece of... Well, help, okay, so help me remember the second part of the question, because I'm going to address the first part of the question. Yeah, just that the first part is the individual and the ease, and the second yeah. part is then right, so navigating yeah. and creating a, a more yes. supportive a cohesive community. community. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, and uh, yeah, um, so the first part is actually, <sighs> improvisation is all about the team. Mm-hmm. It's a team sport. It's not about the individual. If you're thinking about yourself on stage, your head's in the absolutely worst place it could possibly be and to improvise. If you're interested in being an individual, having your own ideas and pushing forward your own funny ideas, uh, that is a perfect place to do stand-up mm. or write sketch. Right. Um, it's all about improv is a team sport. So my primary job as improviser is to make my team look good to make my scene partners look good and to most of all be of service. We talk about that. I talk about that a lot in my program, being of service. Um, I'm not sure if other improv teachers talk about it, but it's being of service to your scene partner and being of service to the show above and beyond anything if you're performing. Mm. Um, And that's again, another way to quiet the fear because fear is selfish. It stops me from being of service. Fear is in my head, and it's about me and my hangups. And in order to be of service to the moment and the show and or the, the company, like whatever we're applying it to, yeah. I can't be in my head. I have to be in response to the moment and where the moment is going and where the needs of the moment are most. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's what and that's an important distinction, actually. I like that. Uh, first of all, I like the first distinction you made, which is that, of course, uh, you know, even though in my head I was kind of um, equating them because they seem to come out of the same places, but of course, improv is not the same as sketch comedy or stand up. And then also the distinction that it, it really is you, yes, and dealing with your fear, but once you've dealt with your fear, it has to do with serving the community. That's a lovely and beautiful thought. Wow. It, it is. And I think that's why improv grabs you yeah. and doesn't let go. So I have students who have been with me for since day one. Wow. That first class that I taught in that dusty room in North Star and Hadley, they are still taking classes. Some of them are still per- are performing. They're still part of the community. Um, almost like I'd say three quarters of them. Oh, wow. wow. Uh, which is kind of amazing. Yeah. People tend to stick around and it's, I think it's a testament. I mean, Happier Valley Comedy hopefully is creating that community where people feel welcome. But also improv is kind of magical in that way. I mean, where do we get that? Where as adults, we get to go together with this group. And so we, 
there are people from all walks of life, all ages, all backgrounds who come together and we are in service to each other in positivity with laughter. Right. And so it, it's kind of, it's so cool because you get these groups that coalesce together very, very quickly. Um, and they go through all the levels together. I teach Zen of improv one, two, three, and four, you know, they tend to stick together and they become this funny, motley little group, um, that they have the similar language and ideal and you just get to laugh together. Also, you're learning and you're laughing and you're yeah, of service to each other. And play. Adults never get to play. Yes. I'm so interested in play. Yeah. Like, that's another super big interest of mine that I'd love to have some time to explore. Yeah. I've all, I have, I'm an idea manufacturer, and so I have uh, – I'm. My board, some members of my board who are friends also were like, no more new stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mission creep. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no more innovation. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you know, they'll sort of be like, we'll hear you out, but come on. And, and I actually have the last couple of years, I have this, uh, mindful conscious growth thing that I do, I guess mm. that it, I can't do anything new unless it goes through these five ideas oh, What are those? <laughs> at, at service of the community uh, and serves the company. It's very simple. It's like, uh, is it of service to the company? Does it bring in money or mm. some other definite benefit for the company? Is it in line with our mission? Um, does it make our, our hearts sing? Oh, that's nice. Does it bring joy and ease? That's nice. Things, yeah. That's like nice. That. Uh, I had one guest say that I liked, uh, one of my sort of key takeaways from one of my guests was, um, don't ever start anything new unless you can like be done with one of the things you're doing too. Like if it's running, <laughs> it's profitable or it's closing down. Like what, what there's a period somewhere there so that you can start the new sentence. <laughs> absolutely, cre- absolutely. Creative people definitely do way too much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just and starting is more fun than yes. running, you know. And yeah. that's you know another topic. So the second part of your question, the community. Oh, cutthroat yeah. part. Yeah, right. It's so funny in this. It's, it's. I still feel weird calling it a business, but it definitely is a business at this point. In this business. Um, and in my career as an improviser, the constant lesson that I've heard over and over is that everything that I thought was my albatross has become my gift. Oh. So I thought being in Western Massachusetts doing improv was the biggest handicap that I possibly could have as an improviser, right? And I raised my kids here. Like I was a full-time mom. I wasn't going anywhere. I just couldn't because I was committed to doing that. Um, So I would have loved to be in Boston and take classes in Proud Boston. I would have loved for somebody just to put me on their team and let me perform with them or get cast in a team. Um, I had to keep starting stuff. You know, like if I wanted to perform, I had to start a team. If I wanted to take a class, I had to get a teacher to come out and take a class. Yeah. Um, I went to Chicago. Chicago and I and I did a program in 2012 at the at IO Theater which is like for us just like the 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 mothership of long form improv and um it was the best 5 weeks of my life which my husband five hates when I say that yes i know <laughs> <laughs> and it was huge Love our wedding <laughs> i know exactly well that wasn't 5 weeks long uh, <laughs> if it had been maybe it would be in the running <laughs> maybe 
Um, so, <laughs> and it was great. And I, I had to move heaven and earth and, and I had a whole team of people that helped me get there. Not least of which was my husband. Um, my in-laws moved in for two and a half weeks to help Aww. with the kids. Mother helped out. Like it was really a community effort. So, and then I, I went and was like, this is where I want to be. All I wanted to do was live in Chicago yeah. and do that, do it professionally the way they were doing it. Um, and I cried and cried after I thought I had touched my dream and had to leave it. Mm. Um, so I really thought being in Western Massachusetts and falling in love with improv was the worst thing in the world. And that ended up being the biggest gift for many, many reasons. One is I got to do it the way I want to do it. Mm. Interesting. I, yeah. I, I, we have this amazing improv community. So the Hahas have been performing in the Pioneer Valley of Western Massachusetts for 16, almost 16 years. And we are a bunch of mostly middle-aged women. Uh, that is not a common thing <laughs> <laughs> in the improv world. Right, right. <laughs> but that's what it is. And, and, and it turns out my school is the biggest dem- demographic is middle-aged women. Mm. And that is highly unusual. So and it ends up being the, a gift, a fantastic gift. I would not have been able to run a school, an improv school in Chicago or Boston. Right. I would not be able to be paid to improvise in Chicago or Boston or New York LA, or L.A., not in the way that I can do it, not making the, the amount of money we're making. Right. Uh, they, there are other people there. Right, right. So that is one of the gifts of doing improv here. The other, to answer your question, is that the people who are interested in taking improv in Western Massachusetts are not interested in being on Saturday Night Live. Okay, right, right. It's not a a cutthroat career ladder for them. They're not going anywhere. And in fact, until recently, we opened the theater just a few months ago. Until we opened the theater, there was no place for them to perform. right. There, were, there was nothing. There was just the ha-has and that what we didn't have auditions. Nobody came in. It was very, it's very hard to get into the ha-has. You know, we don't, we just don't, we're pretty set in our cast right now. Uh, so we were born of a community that they were just doing improv for the pure love of it, mm. which is perfect. Mm, yeah. Perfect. Um, so it isn't, it wasn't cutthroat. Mm. Recently we did our first real open auditions and my partner Scott and I were very concerned and very conscious about how we went about doing it because we were we know that this is very special about our community that it is community-based that it is all about us yeah you know not about I right um what we can do together right and we were nervous that once we start talking about casting it got it would ruin that Mm. or have a, a negative impact. And so I, I was, I've been, you know, we think, I thought about it a lot. I thought about it a lot. And what I realized that is that about 90% of the time, our theater is process based. Mm-hmm. So we, when we have classes, it's not about doing the best work you can possibly do. Right. It's about, well, it's about doing the most joyful work you could do right. in the moment. Right. It's the right. ease. What are you learning? It's about learning and developing and commu- and evolving yeah. As a student. And that's what best an, means in this context. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I tell this story of the maybe farmer, uh, some people call the Taoist farmer. And it's all about that. There is no good and bad. Mm-hmm. And I talk a lot about there is no good and bad in improv. Uh, it's because it's like if you just did the best scene ever, mm. did you learn from it? <laughs> mm. 
Yeah. So is right. And usually not. You're just like, that was fun. And you forget about it. <laughs> Uh, the things you learned from were the worst scenes that you did. Oh yeah. Yeah. So were the, so was that bad? Right. Right. Right? So I say it's only, it's only bad if you don't learn from it. It's only a mistake if you don't learn from it off stage. Um, so 90% of the time we're process based Mm -hmm. 10% of the time, literally just on Saturdays from seven to 9 PM. (laughs) That's it. We are product based. Okay. And it's, so, so, cause I want an, I want us, cause that's when we get people off the street. They're paying $13 to come see one of our shows. I we see. want it to be the best possible show it could be. Yeah. Right. We are selling a product mm. at that time. And so when we're doing those shows, yes, that's why, that's why we audition. We, we have to be in service to those shows, not to the individual. How can we get the, the best possible shows possible that we could put up? Right. Um, and that's what the auditions were about. Right. And it was really tricky, but still, even in the auditions, we still had, I mean, they were at some point, Scott, who has uh, worked in New York and Chicago and Boston and in improv, he's, he was laughing. He's like, you guys, this is not how an audition is supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> they were clapping for each other, Aww. for each other, you know, cause we, and that's how we built it, you yeah. know, cause it's top down. It's all about, yeah. And it, the group I mean, we're, we're trying to figure out the best match for each show and we want people to be their authentic selves so we could figure out what the best match is um so and there and we had to tell people things that they didn't want to hear there were people that i would have loved to cast and we weren't able to cast for one reason or another they weren't ready or it wasn't a good match for the show yeah um, and then we and we talked to them about that uh, an audition is a workshop Right. You know, one of my teachers in Chicago said, you should consider every audition a workshop right. uh, that you learn from it. And so after we offered them the opportunity to sit down with us and we could talk them about what they could work on. Oh, that's worth it. I mean, yeah. that right. does make it a workshop. That just that doesn't just make it an exercise in rejection. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, and that's yeah. And even helping them hopefully to reframe it to right. not be just like plain rejection, but it's just not a match. Yeah. Although that takes effort from you. So that, that's an actual, that's an actual reciprocation from, from the, you know, for the people who don't make it through the audition, which is a neat way to structure it. I think a kind, I hope hope so. Yeah. Yeah. And it had some repercussions. There were even, I even had things in class that things got a little bumpy in class when, during around the audition time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I struggle with it. Mm. Honestly, it's hard to be a creative and to also be judged. Yeah. 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 And to have to judge other people. Just being judged is, is always hard. It's awful. It's awful because I spend my time in class saying you are perfect exactly where you are. Because <laughs> you are. What are you going to do? Go faster? Evolve faster? You're just, you're right. on the path you're on you're doing great keep doing it right um but then all of a sudden i had to say mm, you're on a good path but not yet <laughs> yeah yeah i've um this last year i've discovered the word alignment and i've been using that non-stop with that because it's not that there's anything wrong it's just not aligned like it's not right. it, it's just for this reason for right now it's like a really nice way for no to occur because it's actually a lot closer to the truth to me. It's not, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying no, cause I don't like you. I'm saying no, because we're not really aligned in this right now. Right. For whatever reason. And, right. Or not yet. Not yet. We've been, yeah. 
Not yeah. yet. Not yet. And all in like, and I, we had to, you know, we all made this, we made this decision, Scott and I, and then this group not in charge ended up coming to us with this uh, proposition, how they could stay together as a group and continue to perform for us. And then like we had to restructure everything because, <laughs> because that's, that's the beauty of being uh, improvisers running a company. Right. Like, Scott and I are like, we are flexible. We, I pride ourselves on, I pride, I'm, I feel proud that we try as much as possible to be in response to the moment and the needs of the moment yeah. as much as possible to balancing act. So yeah, we ditched uh, uh, our original plan and we said yes to, to their proposition. And wow. then we restructured things and created a whole new show around it. Wow. Uh, Oh, that's lovely. And do you feel so cool. this yeah. the, the creativity part, do you feel like you get the chance and the time that you need to develop yourself as an artist too, or does that go on the back burner? Yeah, that's such a good question. When I started the Can I Make a Living Doing What I Love experiment, I had a fr- I have a friend who uh said, Well, there's no way that could work because as soon as you bec- your play becomes your work, right. it right. stops being your play. Yeah, I've heard that before too. Yeah. Right. And I was like, no, that's not going to be the case. <laughs> and that fueled me through that whole year. I was like, I'm going to prove Andrea wrong, <laughs> you know, and which yeah. is great. Uh, but gosh darn it, she was right. Uh, okay. It is harder and I'm struggling with it and sort of sitting with it and working through this idea that now I'm like, oh, I thought it was a bottomless well that I had for my love of improv. And I reached bottom yeah. <laughs> running this company yeah. because it's not all fun and games. I'm facilitating fun and games for other people, but I have to deal with a lot of BS right. that is zero fun. So yeah, I'm a little bit, I lost my love of improv uh, a little bit in there and yeah. I'm trying to get it back a little bit. Yeah. Um, so like my partner, Scott is very clear. He wants to be, he's directing, he's our artistic director and he wants to be performing as much as he directs. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like how he's figured it out. Scott's super logical and good at compartmentalizing. I'm more the heart emotional kind. Uh, so I'm doing the show with Scott. That's fun for me. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to find the fun. Yeah. I'm on a show that I'm not directing now. Yeah, so that's I tried kind of to, like, what I wondered, really, yeah. Yeah, so I'm doing the, the competitive, non-competitive show, but I'm still doing, a, I'm like, I, it's my concept, so I'm helping behind the scenes with it, but when we're in rehearsal, I'm supposed to shut up and <laughs> just be a player. <laughs> Very hard. Well, and there, hard. Is, there is something to be said for creating a business being a creative act. It's just, it's a different kind of creativity. That's why I wondered about sort of, it's funny, I, I probably should be a little bit more clear about in my own head about, you know, the difference between creativity and which does involve things like creating a, a business, creating a school, creating a community and artistic creativity, which is more like feeding yourself, which is, I guess, what I'm yeah. kind of thinking about, like what, what parts of yeah. this feed you. I don't know. I'm not there yet. I yeah. haven't figured it out because I did empty the well. Mm. And so now I'm trying to figure out what I need to do to get it back. I'm working on my third book, um, but I keep not having time for it. You know, and it's going to be a companion series for the students. So it has a uh, it has a purpose. Uh-huh. Uh, and I want to do it. I like writing, 
but you know, everything, you know, there are 5,000 emails I have to answer and applying for sponsorships for people and blah, right. all this businessy stuff takes away from my creativity and improv isn't pure play for me anymore. Mm. Um, which is a loss mm. and that, you know, it's a loss. So I'm sort of trying to figure out how to get through that. Yeah. Is that because, because you've been on both sides of the stage that it's not quite so much, or is it, you know, versus just being a team player showing up on a Tuesday and losing yourself for a couple hours? Is that, is that the difference? Yeah. Well, as part of it is if it's happening in my theater, I'm always a producer, mm. right? So even if I'm performing, I'm thinking about, can everybody in the audience see is the heat on too much? Uh, right. Are people happy? Are we being loud enough? This right. so-and-so is not being loud enough. So I'm constantly thinking about, you know, are, is the audience happy? I mean, I'm not constantly thinking about that, but that's, it's there. an, o- it's an overlay. Yeah. It's one of my, I know, but I don't get to not think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's very interesting. It's sort of the, it's sort of mothering, honestly. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, the ideal is I get up on stage and I forget about it for the amount of time that the show is. But yeah, it's it's always there a little bit. And I'm aware. I'm aware. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So how can I still have fun, given all that is the work that I'm and what do you like if you were going to take 10 steps ahead and look back at yourself now, where, where do you kind of hope to be going? I would definitely want to make it, uh, make sure this is a sustainable company. Okay. Um, so continuing to employ us. Uh, so I want to financially, I want it to be financially sustainable. Mm. So all the employees are getting paid with joy and ease. Mm. Um, one of, I do, I have like a five point goal. Uh, I want to, um, take weekends off. Uh-huh. <laughs> or take two two days a week off, I should say. Uh, so that's a, a long-term goal. Has this been four uh, years of no weekends? Pretty much, yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, and now that we have the theater, yeah. Yeah, I don't get Saturdays off. Mm. Uh, I teach on Saturdays, so. Um, and then rehearse on Sundays now. So, yeah, it's, right. it's, it's a little insane. Uh, yeah, there's a there's financial goal. Um, I'd love to continue to build the company sort of horizontally, because of our community. What does um, that mean? What do you mean horizontally? So in, instead of just adding more Im- adult improv classes, because I think right. I, we have it, we live in a small community. It's not New York where there's constantly going to be new people right. always. So I can't keep building on top uh, of this. So the stand up, the storytelling stand up branch mm. is a horizontal growth. The kids program the teen program, that's horizontal growth. Uh, this anxiety, you know, class. Mm-hmm. So can we start teaching stuff that is uh, helping people in that way? Um, those are horizontal growth. I see. I see. So it could come from nothing. Yeah. And it could build up. I don't know. I, I guess I feel like this because I'm part of it, but I feel like there is a coming wave of women who look at their lives and it used to be, you didn't have a lot of time left pack it in. And we have essentially another third of productive life anyway, still to go. And the kids are grown. And (laughs) what are we going to do with it? That you're kind of nicely poised to, I don't know, be part of or serve or assist or something, you know, 
A lot of my students come to me not interested in improvising, not interested in performing. Mm. Most of my students are not interested in performing, which is like that gift I was talking about. They don't even want to perform. So I and I have some bucket list students, right. I call them the bucket list students. And then I also have the do something scary students. Oh, and that course. tends to be the women in that demographic that you're talking about, which we're both in. Yeah. Um, that are just like, yeah, it's time for me to do something scary. And this seems pretty scary. Yeah. So that's why I'm here. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's wonderful. And then I have students who are in search of community. Mm -hmm. That's another group of students. I can see that. I can see that. Wow. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for coming and chatting. Is there anything else you want to, anything you want to plug? I'm I'm always happy to to let people know about what people are doing, which I, because that's what I love about this podcast. It's interesting people doing interesting things. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope people will check out Happier Valley Comedy at happiervalley.com. Certainly come see a show would be a a big pleasure. Uh, One thing that helps my company exist and be sustainable is the through laughter professional development branch. Mm. Uh, That's a big source of income for us. And that's a big source of growth for us. It's the place that we're hoping to grow um, the most and we have the most room for growth. And that helps helps companies with their management and what they're sort of like company values and cultures, the culture of the companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do training. We do training programs. So I have two different things I do when I'll go in and do a workshop, a workshop for and as long as it's 25 people or fewer, we'll do a workshop and it's customized. So it could be on um, building flexibility, uh, enhancing resilience, communication and collaboration, innovation and creativity. Like I'm working with a um, uh, I'm working with an advertising agency on innovation mm-hmm. and creativity as a group right? Mm. Collaborative innovation. And then if the group is larger, I do keynote addresses. They're interactive uh, presentations. Those are on the same uh, similar topic. So it might be on using improv to build resilience or using improv to quiet the inner critic or using improv to collaborate more. Mm. And each, uh, the, it's like a power, they'll have that PowerPoint presentation, a slidey, that slidey yeah. type of thing, you know? <laughs> Although my pictures, they're usually like cute cats or <laughs> chimpanzees wearing wedding dresses or something like that. Uh, and then there will also be interactive elements, too, where the audience actually stands up. So it's a different kind of keynote address that actually gets people strengthened. And you, you leave there with some skills that are applicable right away. Right. Uh, and some new ideas and new vocabulary. Uh, I think this program is really strong at changing the culture of a group. Mm. I could do it in about 20 minutes. Wow. I could change it. Yeah. It's kind of wow. amazing. Okay. It's in one in which creativity, I'm sorry, I could change the culture of the group into one in which um, failure is redefined. Oh, oh, okay. I need another minute on that. What, what, <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? How does it work? Yeah, I might need more than a minute. Uh, <laughs> So I do a number of exercises where two things, I talk about where the joy and where the ease is. And so often where the joy and ease, what stops people from having the most joy and ease is this inner critic. Uh, I call it the internal voice of unhelpful judgment. Evil mind meaning is one name we call it, but we also (laughs) give it like names. We thought we, you know, like in our school, we call it Calvin, which is just like a random name. I have a friend who calls it the itty bitty shitty committee. (laughs) Right. Yeah, And it's that voice inside our heads that constantly 
to put it not very poetically, it's constantly conjugating to suck. Yeah. I suck at this. You suck at this. We all suck at this. Right. And so often when I'll start to explain an exercise, I see people's eyes roll up a little and they're all, and they start like grimace. Right. Because this is their instant thought is team building. Another thing where we have to go right. do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and what's, what's beneath that is fear. Yeah. It's not about team building. It's about fear. I'm afraid I'm going to look stupid. Yes. I'm afraid I'm going to fail. I'm afraid that I can't trust my teammates and they're going to drop me or whatever it is. Um, right. So that's what that's what that is usually yeah. about. And that's the voice of internal voice of unhelpful judgment. Okay. That's that itty bitty shitty committee. <laughs> and what I teach is that voice is a big, big fat liar. Okay. Those are lies. Right. So um, I'm going to make a fool of myself is a lie. It's just a belief. It's not a fact. Yeah. At that moment, you don't know what's going to happen. And certainly that thought is not making you more present and able to do the exercise. Right. Right. I'm going to fail. Right. I'm going to screw up. That's a belief. It's not a fact. Right. So what the what it teaches, what this stuff teaches, what I teach is how to quiet that voice. We can't make it go away completely. It's part of our DNA. It's part of the human experience. Yeah. Right. I talk, I think of it like uh, I because I, I couldn't I can't figure out why so many people I work with hundreds and hundreds and maybe thousands at this point. This is they go straight to that. Almost yeah. everybody goes straight to the worst. Yeah. I'm going to fake. Yeah. Right? Why yep. humans? Why humans? And then I thought of these two cave people standing in the mouth of a cave and they see a saber-toothed tiger, and one of one of them sees it and says, ooh, danger, bad, stay away, right? Yeah. Jud- judgment. The other sees the saber-toothed tiger and says, kitty, <laughs> <laughs> and, and walks toward it, right? So kitty's dead, right? We're, we're descendants of ooh, danger, right? Because kitty's dead. <laughs> So that inner critic is has a part in our lives. It, right. it has a place. There is a place for judgment, but it's a muscle that's overdeveloped yeah. in us. So we, I say thank you to that voice, and now shut up. Mm. Right? I say thank you, Calvin, now shut up, which is the name of one of my speeches. Right. Mm. So I say thank you, that voice is just trying to protect me. Even right. though it's wrong, it's just trying to protect me. Now shut up. Not right. helpful, right? Right. Um, and so that is one of the things is like naming it and getting it to set aside, recognizing that that's just a belief. It's not a fact yeah. and getting it set aside. And so, and I have like a f- seven different techniques that oh, could awesome. improv helps us strengthen to quiet the voice of unhelpful judgment in 20 minutes. Uh, I introduce it in 20 minutes and <laughs> yeah. I can get group from being, uh, making a mistake and having a shame based experience to making a mistake and they, ch- they all cheer Aww. literally. Literally cheer. Nice. Yeah. Nice. It's pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Pam, thank you so, so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I'd like to say thanks so much to Pam Victor for talking about growing a new business staying in the moment, and her near-complete overlap of work, community, and creativity. When you feel bad, ask yourself, where's the joy? And if there's no joy, where's the peace? Energy is more beautiful than effort, so go experience the Zen of Improv and set your heart singing. <laughs>